Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. If you are a guest with us tonight, we're glad to have you in service. If you're joining us online somewhere, we welcome you tonight. Pray that you're blessed by this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You would uh, please switch iPad on. I, we're, I'm going to uh, start, I don't know that this will continue to be the, uh, the theme, but at this point, it's, it's the theme. There are, um, there, uh, there's a couple of uh, words that have kind of become u- overly used and somewhat misused, and uh, I, 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 I'm sort of reluctant at times to use them, but just because something is misused doesn't mean you don't use it, as long as you use it in the proper way, the proper context. And one of the, one of the words is, is, is journey. Uh, it's become a real big buzzword. Hopefully some of you don't know this. You're blessed. The word journey has become a really, really big buzzword in, uh, in Christianity today. It's all about our journey. That's one word, and so that being said, understanding, and somebody happens to be watching now or in the future, um, doesn't change the fact that the word applies or can apply. And so I, I believe, uh, starting tonight, I, I said this last week, I think, but I believe we're going to start, we're starting in a new direction, and I, I am trusting that for the next little while, my part on Thursday nights, I will be missing some Thursday nights uh, in the month of May, uh, but for the next little while, my part on Thursday nights, that I'm trusting God is going to take us as a congregation on a journey. And uh, the other word, which is the word that's on the screen, that is a uh, overly used word that is really in a lot of ways has a kind of a negative context, is the word authentic. Because there's a big, there has been, and I'm kind of behind the curve, so... I, I try not to follow the trends and keep up with all that. So this, I may be a little bit out of date here, but from my understanding, the word authentic has also been a big buzzword. And, but it, authentic, the way I have understood it to be applied is, you know, we, we're creating something new and different. So I, I, wanna, I want you to, to make it clear that by by authentic church. What is church all about? What are we doing? What is it all about? By authentic, the definition I want you to have, to think of, is conforming to an original so as to reproduce essential features. Made or done the same way as an original. So understand, and to anyone that may hear me somewhere else in the future, you may happen to come across this video, this session. I am not proposing authentic that we are coming up with something 
new and different. But I'm talking about authentic in the context of conforming to the original so as to reproduce essential features and made or done the same way as an original. Made or done the same way as an original. I have been of the opinion for several years, I've said it in different messages, in different times teaching, I've said it in different meetings, in different places, and I just started a couple of days ago reading a book, and uh, we'll probably share this with our, our elders, I intend to at this point, but I have said, I am of the opinion that people do not change. There, there are terms like postmodern and Generation X and millennials, and I, I don't know, anybody know what the latest is supposed to be? I don't even know what the latest, it's not even, postmodern is old now. And, and, and people say that we, we, we change because of society and culture, but Here's my argument with that. The designer and the creator of human beings has not come up with a 2.0. God has not created an upgrade from when He first created man. He continues to create man the same way He created Adam and Eve in the garden. So society may affect my opinions and feelings and beliefs and behaviors, but who I am down on the inside is the same as anybody else has ever been. And I'm reading this book, and, and in this book, 40 years ago, the author was writing and he was talking about, I've, I've mentioned this concept before, but the, the, the idea of social gospel and the church being so involved in what's going on in society, and, and, and that's become a huge focus and emphasis of Christianity. And 40 years ago, he was addressing that as an issue. I, 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 there is, I believe more and more, the Bible says it and it must be true, but I can't tell you I've always totally grasped it, but more and more I am becoming completely confident that there is nothing new under the sun. The sooner you and I as a church get a hold of that and believe that, the better off we're going to be. Because we've got some chip on our shoulder that what we're dealing with in society, nobody else has ever dealt with before. And in the words of our distinguished bishop, that's hogwash. Maybe some different terminology, you may call it a different name. It may be able to be promoted through technology now, but it's still the same stuff. Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm so fired up, but I am. Mm -hmm. I believe there's too many things we have tried. Well, let me rephrase, not tried, but there's too many things we have felt the need to try to manufacture and produce. That there should be a more normal 
natural, and by natural, I don't mean fleshly natural. I just mean in the course of events. Should happen in a more natural way. The Bible tells us the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not something you're supposed to work to produce. It is not my responsibility to get up in the morning and I am going to be more gentle today. I will be long-suffering today. No, the responsibility I have is to allow the Spirit to work in me because the fruit, the byproduct of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. We've manufactured a lot of artificial fruit. Because from a distance, you might not be able to tell the difference between real and artificial. But you go try to bite into an artificial apple and you'll find out real quick. It may look nice, but it has no value when it comes to substance. Hallelujah. So, you know what? There is, there, there, everything. Everything, everything man does has room for improvement. There is nothing man has ever created or invented that the first one was the best one. I am thrilled to death we are not driving the original cars still. I am thankful that we now have the ability to communicate by computer and phone and, and various forms of technology that we don't have to go down someplace and send a telegraph anymore. I am thankful for the improvement in developments in computers. This, this, actually forget the laptop or the iPad, this thing right here. The ability and the speed and the, and what this does compared to the first laptop I purchased when I was in college. <laughs> Thank God. Some of you still got a, I, well, some of you may still have an original iPhone. I don't know. Some of you have got your four and you're proud of it or whatever. You, you're proud. Thank God for you. And I'm so glad you are content and happy. But I love this, this annual upgrade thing. Because if they're coming up with a new one and a better one, I'm not satisfied with the old one. Come, on. Thank you, Brother Barr, because there's a bunch of other dishonest folks trying to be all holier than me and super whatever, saying that, you know, come on. I'm happy with my flip phone. Good for you. Seriously, if you're happy with that, good for you. Brother Walt Truss, he's the man. I, I know. I, you know what he said? We were we were at a seminar a couple months back. He and Brother Trombley and I, and he was, I and Brother, no, our brother was it Brother Trump? Yeah, and Brother Spriggs. That's right, the four of us. He was giving us a hard time about all the stuff he doesn't have to put up with with his flip phone that we put. And he's there's a lot of stuff he's he's correct, but I'm not trading him. I'm, I'm sticking with mine. I know it. And I understand all the negatives. I get that. So back to my point. Everything man does gets better. 
or, or everything man creates has room for improvement. It blows my mind how far video games have come. I mean, I remember the days that when you played a video game, it literally was X's and O's for a football game. Not, that's not figurative talk. It literally was. And now you can, you can look at the screen and if you know the players at all, you can recognize the face of the player on the screen. But God is not like man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The book that I'm reading is in like its fifth or sixth edition. There is no fifth or sixth or seventh edition of the Bible, of the Word of God. There is no editing. There were no improvements needed on the Word that was in the beginning. God is no more God in 2017 than He was before He said, let there be light. He can't get any greater. He can't get any more powerful. He can't get any wiser. From the very beginning, He was everything He could be. Neither does He diminish. But again, man. So I, I want you as kind of a, as, this is just kind of a launching point. I, I don't know where all we will go the next several months. I, I am, I am just give you a little bit of a context of this. I am back in, in some stuff that the Lord is dealing with me, talking to me about that I was actually in the same topic area several years ago. And I'm hoping that it just was, a seed that God was planting at that time and not something that I just disregarded and moved on from. So, I don't know where all we are going. I don't know where all we will go with this on Thursday nights for the next little while. But I want, I want, I want you to, I want to use these verses here in the beginning tonight as kind of the launching point of where we're going to go. Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. This, this is the same chapter as the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This is the same chapter where Peter has stood up and declared to the crowd that was gathered what they must do. So you understand, this is the absolute beginning stages of the church. I mean, this is only days, relatively speaking, probably not literally, but figuratively, only days into the beginning stages of the church. And it says this, they continued steadfastly, and here are the things they continued steadfastly in. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing 
daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now you tell me how we have improved on this because the results in the rest of verse 47 are the Lord added to the church That's what they did in the beginning, and it produced results that we have never seen in our lifetime. Oh, hallelujah. We don't need a 2.0. We don't need a 5.0. We don't need an updated, revised, revamped edition. We need to get back to authentic church. We need to get back to the original. Because the original produced daily results. We, I'm going to be honest and plain and blunt with you tonight and the next couple of weeks. and You might as well get ready. We get all excited if we can get through a weekend and we have one person get the Holy Ghost. We dance and shout about that. And that's great because all of heaven rejoices over a sinner that repents. But in the infancy of the church, it was added to it daily. 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 There were no... Let me me just please understand whatever I... I, I'm going to try to say this now and not say it anymore. Not just tonight, but the future. Please understand, there's nothing I will say. There's nothing that's, that's a part of any of this teaching that is intended to be a reflection on anybody else. Not disparaging anyone else. I'm not casting stones because there's some things I will refer to that I've done. I've been the source of being, them being done. And there's some things we will still do in the future. Hopefully with just a different motive. There were no block parties. There were no Saturday door-knocking outreach efforts. There were no flyers being passed out at service. There were no special emphasis services to get guests to come to church. They just spent time together. They fellowshiped together. They communicated with each other. They connected with each other. And the Lord added daily. 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 The New Living Translation says it this way and and this, this heading at the top of the page is actually, if you have a New Living Translation, you can even pull it up on your, your, your mobile device. This is the heading for this, for these verses, 42 through 47. I, I love this heading. The believers form a community. 
It is my prayer to challenge what you and I think about church over the next couple of weeks. No, I don't mean a church service. That's only a part of what we do. The believers form a community. New Living Translation, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Don't get nervous. I ain't about to touch 43 and 40, or 44 and 45. We can't even, we, we wouldn't even be able right now to get everybody to come to church one time a day, much less get us to share everything. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Oh, help me, Jesus. We, we, come on, brother, right? You know, we cannot, there ain't no way in this world we getting together every day. We got too much stuff going. We are too busy. Don't worry, I'm not getting there yet. I don't have enough faith to try to get you to do that, so relax. Because you got to understand part of, part of what's churning inside of me and part of the context of this is not figuring out how can we can more produce and schedule and organize. There are things that I do on a daily basis that I don't need schedule and organize. They are a part of my life. They are a priority. It's, what's, it's a part of my world. I don't need it on my calendar. It's going to happen. In the book, The Connecting Church, it says this, The first Christians understood that a decision to follow Christ also included a decision to make the church the hub of their world. Even when it required the abandonment of existing social structures. I, 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 for, for Mike, I hope you don't mind, Brother Mike McGurk, I hope you don't mind me using you. What we, we've had some discussions in staff meetings and, and in elders meetings and a couple other situations lately along the lines of discipleship. And discipleship doesn't mean what you do with somebody that just gets the Holy Ghost. Discipleship is a never-ending process. You do not ever graduate from being a disciple. You do not ever get your degree and you have now achieved the ultimate level of discipleship. As long as you are alive, as long as you are breathing, as long as you are living for God, you are a disciple that has room to grow. And when Brother Mike McGurk had his amazing transformation in high school, he, we, we, we were discussing recently, what was it when you got saved? 
we were just, I've posed this question in a couple of groups now. What was it when you got saved that connected you, that kept you connected? What was it that caused you to be in the body and stay in the body? And one of the things he referred to was friends. There had to be a change of those he was spending time with and hanging out with. And I'm sure some of those friends he went back a long ways with. But he understood, if I'm going to be in the church, I can't continue old habits, old connections, even if it means abandoning some things. Yale University professor Wayne Meeks makes this point based on his meticulous research of the early church. To be baptized into Jesus Christ signaled to Pauline converts an extraordinary thoroughgoing resocialization in which the seat was intent, in which the sect was intended to become virtually the primary group for its members, supplanting all other loyalties. Here, here is, uh, here, here, I got, I got object lessons tonight, so all you visual people, here we go. Here, here is our problem. We have all kinds of boxes in our lives. We got, we got our friends and, and, uh, we, we've got, we've got, uh, we got things like work. And education. These are these are things. Don't look at the wrong sides because it's not a real good packing job. So we we've got a, a a variety, and I've only hit a couple here. You you can probably think of some more. There may be some things for you that that are more significant or are more important or other categories. We've we've got these we've got these varying boxes and and they have varying levels of importance. We've got pleasure. We we've got things like education for especially those that are younger and moving into their year, adult years. We got friends, we got work, we got family. I I added one at the last second. Cuz we all know we a lot of us we got social media. I'll come back to that one in a minute. <laughs> and, and, then, and then here we are, and, and of course, you know, we, we can pat ourselves on the back because we're apostolics, but, but we, got, we got church. Now, it looks about the same as family, but according to this box, it says it's extra large, and that family is only large, so I need you to get that because church may very well be the largest box. And we kind of, you know, we kind of strut that. You know, I got a lot of boxes, but hey, church is the big one. God's the big one. But the problem is we've got it all segmented. This, this is God's. But you know what? When it comes to pleasure, what I do and when I do it, that's... You have all this you want, God. You know, my, my education, God, if I don't get an education. I, I, I had an individual sit and we had a school years ago sit across from me and tell me they were pulling their child out of Antioch Christian School. And they were sending them to another school. 
And the reason that this was, this was almost an exact quote, they said, because you know, Brother Wright, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. And if I don't give my child every advantage and the best of educations, they're not going to do very well. They're not going to make it. So I, I don't want you to be offended by this, but I'm, I'm, that individual that was pulled out went to a fairly prestigious school, ended up going to a private college, getting some kind of degree, but has spent years without any legitimate substantial job. There's a man sitting right over here by the wall that I went to school with. When he and I went to school together, ACS offered even less than it offered when the individual sat across the desk and told me this. How long have you been in business now, Brother Kimbrell? 17 years. Business doing okay, fairly well. Been growing to a degree, yeah, to a degree. See, there, the, the problem is there's, a, there's another verse that says, Seek ye first the kingdom and His righteousness and all these things. What that father made a decision to do for that child was put life ahead of the kingdom. And it didn't pay off. But I've watched, I've, I've got other peers and there's other kids that have been a part, we're part, not kids anymore, that put the kingdom first. So go ahead and put your education ahead of everything else. Then the job is on you to get it all work. Not against education. Got a degree? Hoping all four of my kids get a degree. Friends, it, it's, it's, I'll have the friends I want work, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm busy. And then what's oftentimes the other big one for us is, is family. And we, 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 we compartmentalize. Oh, yeah. There is, there is some kind of mind-numbing powers that Instagram and Facebook have because people lose their mind when they get on there. This is flesh. This is David Wright. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm, hear you, hear you. But I just got to... This is Thursday night, folks. This isn't Sunday morning. It's in the crowd. It's in even Sunday night. This is the dedicated, committed, okay? So if I offend you, I'm, I'm not sorry about that. If I offend somebody Sunday morning unnecessarily, I'm sorry. If I offend you with the truth, I don't mean if I purposefully, willfully, I'm not talking about that. I do not understand apostolics getting on Facebook and complimenting former apostolics on their new look. I don't understand complimenting ladies that used to wear godly clothes and have godly hairdos and you're now telling them how beautiful they look with a lifestyle that is contrary to what the Word of God says. Come on. 
I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I got to tell you, as pastor, when I see that, it deeply disturbs me in my spirit. When I see saints of God, I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about, I know I'm being plain here. You, oh, hallelujah. I'm, it's only 8 o'clock. I'm going at least another 30 minutes and it ain't getting any better. I don't understand it. Because what I feel when I see that, when I see those pictures, I feel deep disturbance. Not judge, I don't mean judgmental, but I mean a sadness that somebody that knows what the truth was and at one point lived the truth, there is a, and, and, and for you to give your stamp of approval, really causes me to question you. You, you. you don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. Oh, hallelujah. I know. You know why? If you're upset with me right now, it's because I've gotten out of the box that you're okay with me being in. Uh, I just, just for the record, I ain't mad at nobody. I'm not upset at anybody. I am, I am getting so frustrated and discouraged. And I don't mean discouraged in a hopeless way, but I, I let, me, let me rephrase, not, let me rephrase, not discouraged. I am getting so dissatisfied that we are not having a greater impact. That we're not seeing great. If in the beginning stages on a daily basis there was addition and all we can do is celebrate one on a Sunday, come on! Come on! But as long as I stay in your box, good. They understood that at conversion, I don't have any more boxes. Because what's supposed to happen when I get converted, I'm supposed to do what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God so when I get saved I no longer have separate distinct areas in my life they are all supposed to become one because I put everything on the altar And so I don't just let him control this. You know what's so amazing? Some of you that have this, how you let all of this other get in the way of this. I'm, I'm not trying, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, I don't have to tell you I'm stirred up. I think you get that sense, I'm stirred up. I'm going to say it again, I'm not mad at any individual, I'm not mad at anybody. None of this is based on a person, okay? 
you can't believe that or don't believe that, that's between you and Jesus. As long as He and I are good, that's ultimately what matters. i got to stand before Him one day and not you. The problem is when we function this way with all of our different boxes, it becomes easy and tempting at times to let something push this out of the way. When... <laughs> Oh, I need a need a drink. <laughs> Y'all might want us to go back to Job. <laughs> when's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when's the last time some of you called your boss early morning and said, "Listen, boss, I I apologize. I'm just not gonna make it in today. I'm just really tired." Oh, Jesus. You know, it, Brother Wright, it's been a rough day. Uh, four days of the week I've had to put up with. And I've had a lot going on. So, you know, I'm not getting rid of the box. I'm not destroying the box. I, I, I'm just, you know, there, there's other stuff. There, there's other stuff in my life that, you know, I, I mean, it, it. You, you, you really, you mean to tell me, honestly, I, I, if you really think this, I'd love to hear it. You mean to tell me they were really less busy than we are? Uh, honestly, come on. No, no microwaves, no TV dinners, no drive-throughs, no, no plumbing, this was how you got everywhere, every meal you cooked was an ordeal. No, no Safeway, no Walmart, no Target, no 7-Eleven, no Chick-fil-A, no McDonald's, no Chipotle. I mean, now, now, now all these places, you, you don't even have to go stand in line in a bunch of them. You order ahead. Oh, hallelujah. You see, our, 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 cha- our struggle is we just, we want, we want, I mean, you know, and, and then of course, you, you got that marker, you got that marker, Elizabeth? Still got that marker? That this is, you know, a bunch of you, a bunch of you, throw it, I can catch. A bunch of you, this, this has been a part for some degree of your life. Another, another brand, but, a lot of you grew up going to church, and so now, I mean, come on, brother, right? At least, I mean, oh, Lord, no spell check. 
at least it's apostolic now. I mean, at least we got the right brand on the box. So, I mean, come on. I know it's just a box, but at least I got the right brand on the box. And, and again, it's a big box. I mean, come on, it's, it's Thursday night. My box is so big, I'm here on Thursday night. I'll be here Sunday morning and Sunday night. They understood that there was a giving up complete transformation of their life when they became a part of the church, the body of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. See, remind you quickly, I won't take time to get into it right now. Most of you know this. Maybe somebody doesn't really know this. Christian is not God's term for us defining ourselves. A Christian was not the label that God came up with for us to define who we are. That was the world's title, name. What you and I are called to be is disciples. And they are not the same thing. So, Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Amplified Verse 24, Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to be My disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests, and take up his cross and follow Me. Cleave steadfastly to Me. Conform wholly to My example in living and if need be in dying also. Parallel passage, Luke, 20, Luke 9 and verse 23 in the Living Bible. Then He said to all, Anyone who wants to follow Me must put aside his own desires and conveniences and carry his cross with him every every and keep close to Me. We've got a big problem in 2017, and it's not just been in 2017, but we've got a bunch of Christianity that wants to bypass the cross. To a degree, they want to bypass the cross. But in the context of tonight, they want to bypass the individual's cross. And the problem is, when you bypass the cross, you create a consumer mentality. And the big problem with that is church is not a business. You see, we don't want to tell you that it's inconvenient 
And so we become seeker friendly. Because we, we don't really want you to know there's a cost. We, we, we don't really want you to know that there's a price. The problem is when there's no price, when there's no cost of a cross, I can become picky and choosy. I don't like that and I don't like this. The problem is when we as the church stop appealing on the basis of the cross, we can never get to a point where we can really make you happy. Because you're going to find something. I learned several years ago at least, I learned... When somebody comes to Antioch and tells me the reason they're here is because they're unhappy with the pastor where they came from, and especially in the context of a church that preaches the truth. Mark it down. More than likely, it will only be a matter of time before you get on the same list the other preacher's on. And that's why we've got too many people that it doesn't matter what the doctrine is, it doesn't matter what's taught, preached, it doesn't matter. Because I am a consumer. And I'm just trying to figure out which box I like the best. But the problem is Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, if you're really going to follow me, the first thing you've got to do is take up your cross no 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 you I, I, I don't maybe I don't have to qualify as much as I feel like I have to qualify but at this point I will qualify I'm not talking about going out on the street and blasting every person you meet with with the doctor that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about you going standing up in the mall and telling everybody if they believe in the Trinity, they're going to hell. That's not, that's not the, not at all what I'm, what I'm talking about is when we try to make it that there is no cost and there is no price to all of this and it's all just convenient and easy. And so we got people that'll p- p- punch their clock, spiritual clock for an hour on a Sunday because they've got a box. But once they put in their hour obligation, they are done. Unfortunately, uh, I'm, not try- I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, my goodness. There's some of you, you do it three times a week and that's commendable. But our, you know what? This is, I, this is really inconvenient. I mean, if I'm going to sit down, I probably shouldn't even try over there because I'll hurt somebody. If I'm going to sit down and try to rest, and I, I've got to maneuver this, and then if I can't just put it down and get rid of it, this is an inconvenience. You know what? Get this. If I'm constantly carrying this, are you ready? This will affect what I'm able to do. Wow. That, that was deep right there. If I'm, if I'm not putting this down for convenience, it will impact everything I do. You see, when all, 
when all I'm doing is carrying around my box, when it gets a little inconvenient, I can put my box aside for a little while to focus on something else. He didn't call you to carry a box. He called you to pick up your cross and follow Him. And He said, if you want to be my disciple, would it be safe to say that a mark of discipleship is, do you have a cross? Let me show you what let me show you what the consumer mentality produces. This is this is only just an example. I was sent an article that the general article was was really some 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 okay stuff. But but this really just absolutely jumped out at me in this article. The author says this. He's, he's basically making a case as to why people should go to church. That even if you're not really religious, why you should go to church. But, but listen to what he says. If you haven't been to church in a long time, or ever, listen, this is, if this doesn't disturb you, then there's something wrong. I'm sorry. If you haven't been to church in a long time, or ever, you might be surprised by the content of the sermons offered from the pulpit these days. And the fact, and, and the fact that pulpits are rarely even used anymore. Again, some of you are very blessed to not know some of this stuff, but the common thing nowadays is you get a little, what, what cocktail table? What are you calling things? What do you, I don't, Little high bar table, I don't know, one of them tall tables, like we got some of them down in the fellowship hall. You get one of those high tables and you get a stool. And you, you sit there and you have a conversation. He said you'd, you'd be surprised that even pulpits are rarely used anymore. While they are, some, while they, while there are some churches, that do still preach hellfire and brimstone, or hellfire and damnation, concentrate on specific theological issues, and advocate for more conservative takes on the Scriptures, there are also a ton... There are also a ton that offer messages that actually don't even talk that much about God. You, you do get that this author is saying all of this in a very positive context. Meaning it in a positive context. You, you, might not, you might get to go to church and hear the preacher and he won't even talk about God. Or culture war issues. And essentially offer general self-help principles supported with a few Bible verses. Even these you can choose to receive as literature rather than Scripture. Oh, I, I, please tell me your, your lack of response, your silence is your stun, right? That's what it is. You're all in shock. You just can't 
react. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear uplifting messages on being a good neighbor. Moderating your use of technology. Being less selfish. Improving your marriage. Sound, practical advice for better living. While this trend is anathema to the orthodox, and in case you miss it, we would be the orthodox in this context. While this trend is anathema to the orthodox, who feel it represents the watering down of Christianity, it's a boon to the growing number of folks who aren't sure about their beliefs and are looking for a church that teaches good principles unattached to a very specific theological position. So I'll take whatever good this can provide me that I like. But don't you dare... I, I don't mean to offend some of this. I don't think it would offend anybody, but you know, it might be. But I, I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but I do not like rice. And I know there's certain cultures, man. You got, you got rice every day. You live all, I don't like rice. It doesn't have a taste. I don't like the texture. I don't like rice. How can you not like rice, brother, right? Because my taste buds don't like it. What's that stuff? What's this stuff we had the other night? Orzo. Orzo. I think that was the first time I ever had it. How, my, Angie asked, how'd you like it? I don't know. It was like rice on steroids. I am 45 years old. If I go into a restaurant, I won't, I don't eat rice. If I go to PF Chains, sir, would you like white or brown rice? I look around the table. What do I want? I ask what I want because I'm giving what I get. Because I don't like it. And I'm going to eat what I like and leave what I don't like. Amen. I've been in a couple of situations where I have eaten rice out of respect for the host. And that wasn't in America. So don't have me for dinner and expect me to eat rice to respect you. Because you now know. If you have me to dinner and put rice on the plate and you were here tonight, we got problems. You've got the right to pick and choose what you want at a restaurant. But when it comes to salvation, when it comes to eternal life, it is not a menu to pick from. It's not a buffet. Get what you like and leave the rest. It's all for you. I, can, can you... Can, can you I, I, don't know, I don't know what that does to you, but I got to tell you. 
That absolutely cranks me. And what's, what really cranks me is not that I'm assuming this individual is a secular, writing it from a secular perspective. What, bother, what really bothers me is the fact that there are churches that have embraced this as what they do on purpose. You see, you can be in the multitude and not carry a cross. You can come and sit and listen all day long in the multitude and not carry a cross. But I think it was Luke where I just read, if I'm not mistaken, it was, it's, I think it was in Luke. Right before that is when there was a multitude reference, but the multitude got up and went home. And then he says to his close followers, if you're going to be my disciple, go get your cross. At, 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 the, at the racquetball club, they have these signs around the courts, posted outside of the courts. And it says, I guards recommended. If you don't know anything about racquetball, you've never. Look, first of all, you're in a very, pretty much a confined space, and 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 guys can hit the ball really fast, and then you also get close to other guys. And I've gotten hit by other guys' rackets probably ten times in my time, because you're trying to make your shot, and they're swinging, and they're coming around. I've I've caught it in the goggles. I've caught balls in the goggles. I've caught rackets in the goggles. Goggles are not recommended for me. One time, my goggles broke. I went out. My goggles broke in the middle of a game. I went out, and, and I, I, I put them down. And, and, and the guy I was playing said, hey, I got an extra pair of goggles. Let me lend them to you. And my first reaction was, no, nah, it's all right. I'll be okay. But something kind of checked me. And I said, all right, I'll take them. And within about two or three volleys, I took a ball in the goggle. So I am definitely now a firm believer it may be recommended for some. I view it as a necessity. That's not good enough with salvation. It's not good enough that some may sit here and view it as a necessity and others view it as just something that's recommended. It's not a recommendation. If you're going to be my disciple, you can be a fan of the Orioles and not know one player's name, never go to a ball game, never wear an Orioles shirt, never wear an Orioles hat, and be a fan of the Orioles. Or you can go to every single game and leave with a, vo with a voice that's hoarse from all your cheering, and, and you're a fan. It doesn't work that way with being a disciple. Everyone has a cross. Everyone is supposed to take up that cross and follow Him. Luke 14, 25, the King James says, and there went, here it is, there went great multitudes with Him. And He turned and said unto them, they're all following him. Listen, I mean, this is, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I try to be very cautious on Sunday mornings especially. 
I, I, I don't want to water truth down, but I, I don't want to unnecessarily offend anybody. I don't want anybody's blood on my hand that I in my flesh. So I, you know what, sometimes I'll say stuff in code. So that the, the, the naive won't really know what I'm saying. Jesus, this was kind of an evangelistic service, if you will. He's got a crowd following Him, a multitude, and He turns to them and says, If any of you come to Me and hate not your father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and His own life also, He cannot be My disciple. Man, that's a great sales pitch, Jesus. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? So we try to suck people into Christianity without ever telling them the real price. Only for them to find out the real price and feel very upset because you weren't up front with them from the beginning. The Living Bible gives a little different twist on this because he's not really saying that you're supposed to hate your loved ones. Great crowds following him, he turned around and addressed them as follows. Anyone who wants to be my follower must love me far more than he does his own father. Mother, wife, children, brothers, or sisters. Yes, more than his own life. Otherwise, he cannot be my disciple. And no one can be my disciple who does not carry his own cross and follow me. Okay. Verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if he has enough money to pay the bills? Otherwise, he might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then, how everyone would laugh. I don't know if I should do this or not. We had a meeting last night. We were having a discussion about the idea of discipleship. How many of you <clears throat> that you've been you've been in church, you've been an apostolic for a significant period of time, a couple of years at least, let's say that. You've been in church for at least a couple of years. How many of you was your your conversion experience was essentially someone walked up to you completely out of the blue, told you you needed to be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you responded like that. How many of you? Whoa. You understand what I'm saying? You, you get, am I, am I clear enough with that? I mean, like, you know, Brother, Brother Chester Spriggs is, you know, I mean, almost, all, my, almost to this extreme, well, let's, let's, let's use it in this context. I knock on his door. He comes to the door. 
And in a matter of minutes, I'm telling him, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, evidence, speak in other tongues. And, and you basically, I mean, within a matter of, I mean, that's a Saturday, and on Sunday, you come and you do it. Huh? One more time. One, look at that, one hand. One hand. How many of you, and this, this may, there may not be just two categories here, so let's try this to see where we go from here. How many of you was there a relationship that you had been developing and building with somebody that was a part of church that you had had some level of communication for some period of time before you got baptized and got the Holy Ghost? All right, there's obviously some other category. Some of, how about those of you that were born and raised in church? That, there we go. We got the, I think we just got everybody else. Okay, so all of us, all of us that were raised in church, we, we, that's a whole nother group. Back to this other. You weren't raised in church, but you got, you got converted. One person says it was essentially a spontaneous thing. Another per, uh, the rest of, you that weren't raised in church, the majority of the rest of you, is anybody that didn't raise your hand yet? Alright, we still got some other, a couple other categories. So I, I don't, we'll find out what those are later. Because the biggest point is, one person, it was essentially spontaneous. But the rest of you, it wasn't spontaneous. Could it be it was because you had more of an opportunity to count the cost? Meaning, meaning, cold turkey, you get baptized, get the Holy Ghost, you might not really know what all's coming. So I, I, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't, please don't, dear Lord, please don't go out. I, I know most of you won't do this, but somebody might. <laughs> don't, don't go out and start just blasting everything. That's not, that's not at all what any of this is about. Because really, first and foremost, I'm talking about us tonight and our relationship with God and our dedication and commitment to God. You're gonna come after me. You gotta carry your cross and you gotta count the cost because there's a price to be paid. Barnes note says this with regards to carrying your cross. So to carry the cross is a figurative expression denoting that we must endure whatever is burdensome or is trying or is considered disgraceful in following Christ. It consists simply in doing our duty. Let the people of the world think of it or speak of it as they may. It does not consist in making trouble for ourselves or doing things merely to be opposed. It is doing just what is required of us in the Scriptures. Let it produce whatever shame, disgrace, or pain it may. This, every follower of Jesus is required to do. You know what? I mean, I, I don't, maybe your flesh is dead enough that this, 
this doesn't appeal to you, but I, I still got enough flesh that's alive that it would sound like a pretty sweet deal to me to show up once a week on Sunday morning for about an hour, go through a religious service, religious activity, and my salvation is set. I mean, I got to tell you, that, my friend, is a bargain. You can't beat that on Amazon, eBay, Goodwill, CarMax, Craigslist, Penny Saver. You can't beat that deal, folks. You, I, you can't beat that deal. And, and then on, to top it off, to go sit, and while you're sitting, just kind of get... As the article I read, get just kind of a motivational speech. Man, how great is that? But is it any wonder we're in a world that has become disillusioned with Christianity because we've become consumer conscious instead of cross conscious? And we've cheapened all of it and we've lost the power of it. And now we've got churches that are emptying out. I, I just, somewhere the other day, I forget where it was, maybe somebody shared it, an article I was reading, the percentage of people that go to church on a regular, on a weekly basis. In this country, it is appalling how low the percentage is of people that attend church. Brother Hemus is sitting here tonight where in Europe they are selling church buildings and the Muslims are taking over church buildings because church buildings are emptying. And we continue to peddle Christianity without a cross. And then we as apostolics are going to be pushed in to the same category of trying to dumb it all down? Oh, hallelujah. In that day, He's going to look at them and say, Depart from Me. I never knew you. I never knew you. How many of you know this passage? How many of you know this passage and what comes next? They don't just say, Lord, we came to church every week. They don't just say, we carried our box around faithfully. They don't just say, they don't just say it was the biggest box we had. They say, we prophesied in your name. How about this one? Doesn't it say this? We cast out devils in your name. What's the rest of it say? We did many wonderful miracles or works. How's it say it? In your name. And he says, I don't know you. You don't what? 
I mean, listen, I'm not trying to be unkind here, folks. Get, I don't mean this as a critical, judgmental, or negative thing toward anybody here. But that's a resume that some of us tonight don't have. There's people here tonight that you can't say you've cast out devils and you've laid hands on the sick and they've... I, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's not my point. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying these folks had a resume. We cast out devils in your name. We prophesied. We did many miracles in your name. And he says, depart from me, I don't know you. Could it be that the reason he says to them, I don't know you, is because they had... No cross. There's so many levels and so many points to all of this tonight. And I promise you, over the next... Don't, don't, don't come with your body armor on. I, 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 by the help of the Lord, I'm trying to shake us tonight. I'm not. Hopefully the Spirit of the Lord is. But... So don't don't get all nervous on me that oh man I don't I don't know if I want to no 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 we it will it will get easier from here maybe <laughs> that's that fleshly pressure because I let's let's be honest for if you don't think let me tell you you may not think I think this way but I'm well aware of the fact some of you have been up since four or five o'clock this morning I am well aware of that some of you in here have had the day from hell. Some of you here probably got yelled out by a customer or a boss. Some of you probably got cussed out by somebody. Hopefully you didn't cuss anybody out, but some of you probably did. How many? Come on, I, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you will help me prove a point. If you don't raise your hand, then I'll have to figure out another point. How many of you came straight to church from work and you didn't stop for dinner, haven't had time for dinner? Look at that. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, folks. I, I don't know what you think about me. I don't, you, I don't know what your opinion is of me. I don't, I don't know what it is. But I got to tell you, you think I don't sit here and think about the fact that some of you have been up since 4 or 5 o'clock this morning, and some of you got to get up tomorrow morning at the same time. And some of you haven't even had time to eat, and you're probably going to grab junk food or fast food on the way home. And you think I'm not looking at my clock going, man, I wish it'd be nice to let these people out here at nine, at 8.30. And maybe some of you are sitting there and thinking, you know what, if you'd shut up, we'd get out at 8.30. I don't have a problem with you laughing at all, because I, I figured you would, but I wasn't trying to be funny. You, you think I don't want to give you a pep talk tonight? You think I don't want to give you some positive motivational speech tonight? You think I don't want to get you out here at 8.30 so you'll be loving me? Man, Brother Wright got us out here at 8.30. I can get home get to bed. Look up. How long does it take you guys to get home? 45 minutes? This, this family. Not just one, not a single man, a family. What time do you got to get up for work tomorrow? He gets up at 5.40. Man's got a, they got a 45-minute ride home tonight. Got to get up at 5.40. Got kids that got to get up for school. 
I'll tell you something, folks. I, 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 all my ranting and ravings tonight, you, you don't think that there's not a side of me that feels pressure. I don't mean by you. I don't mean by I, that I feel you pressure. But I just mean by the world we're in. You think I don't feel, you think I don't think about that. You got another thing coming. But you know what the bottom line is? If all you are is a consumer, you're you're buying the wrong thing. Because there's a bunch of places you could go, you don't even have to show up during the week. How many of you been in a care group the last couple nights? One or the other. How many of you have been involved in some other kind of ministry the last night or two? Campus ministry, other, look at that. And, and we're, we're in a world where we, we, we got churches that survive off of one church service a week now. I got I to gotta tell you, my flesh would love to go this route. Let's all have our box. Let it be a big box that takes up a good amount of space in our lives. But at the same time, you know what? Every now and then we can just put our box to the side. You know what? I think the really the positive thing here tonight as I close is that I really genuinely, honestly believe that I am teaching, preaching, whatever tonight to a group of people that the majority of you are trying to carry your cross. I honestly believe that most of you here tonight are trying to carry your cross. Some of us may lay it down for a day or two and feel conviction and pick it back up. But part of the challenge that you and I face is all of those that are enjoying their walk with God with the freedom of no cross. And maybe you've reached the point where that doesn't bother you sometimes. Pray for me. I'm not there yet. All I know is Jesus said, if, not if you're going to be a Christian, not if you're going to be a believer, if you're going to be my disciple, and you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I believe that the verses we read from Acts 2, 42 to 47, I believe that was a manifestation of what happens when people take up their cross. And follow Jesus. That the impact is 
not from a program, not from an effort, not from an organized activity, but the natural product of believers who carry their cross is that the Lord adds to the church daily. Bow your heads. Father, I pray that You would help us tonight in a world in which even those that profess Christianity are trying to figure out ways to make it easier, to make it less demanding, that it's not just the sinner, the unbeliever, but it's those that profess to be believers that are promoting that we can reap the benefits of salvation without carrying a cross. But you said to be your disciple, we had to take the cross and follow you. I pray that you would help us tonight. I pray, God, if in any way I'm living with my boxes, that I've got various boxes that I control I give you control of one, but the rest are mine to take care of. I'm asking you, God, to help me to put them all on the altar. To deny myself. To take up my cross and follow you. God, I ask you to strengthen every individual in this place tonight. In our humanity, in our frailty, God, you know that there are times in which we are discouraged and challenged by what goes on around us. I pray that by Your grace You would help us to keep our eyes on You. Keep our eyes fixed on Your Word. That You, God, ultimately are the only one who has the right to define what it really means to be a disciple of You. It's not our right as Christians, it's not our right as pastors to modify, to edit, to change what You have declared. I pray, God, that You would help us as a church, that You would help this congregation to be true disciples, Lord. That we wouldn't just have church as a part of our lives, Christianity as a part of our lives. But God, that You would help us on a daily basis in every aspect of our lives to take up our cross and follow You. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you on Sunday.